there is a place where time stands still, where nature is harsh and demanding, where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. I want my land. All you've got to do now is pass the Australian culture test. Three simple questions, three correct answers, and you go through that doorway to the greatest little country in the world. Good morning, everyone. You're with Annie on Showreel. Today we're chatting with... Catherine Dwyer, she's the writer-director of the archival documentary Brazen Hussies. You might remember it. It came out a a year ago or so. Uh, It tells the story of the Australian women's liberation movement between 1965 to 1975. Catherine is going to give a session at the upcoming Australian International Documentary Conference, which is running from March the 5th to the 8th at ACME and online, and with the international market dates 9th to the 11th of March online only. What is the AIDC? I'll tell you in their own words. Established in 1987, the Australian International Documentary Conference, AIDC, is a not-for-profit organisation committed to supporting and elevating non-fiction storytelling through a range of creative and business opportunities across film, television, streaming and digital media. AIDC is an innovative and industry-led event welcoming industry players from all over the globe to drive collaboration, production and industry development and to inspire innovation and ignite social change. And it certainly does. And this year, it includes over 40 sessions, 120 speakers and 100 plus industry decision makers. Now, this is, you know, people, you know, who are Oscar nominated directors like uh, Daniel Roja, Shona Sen and Sarah Dosa. And they also show uh, some fabulous films like uh, uh, the Oscar nominated All the Beauty and the Bloodshed by Laura Poitras. And I'll have to say, I've seen this film and it is quite extraordinary. So there's a, an extraordinary program of screenings as well as the uh, workshops, uh, marketplace events and um, uh, sessions, talks where people tell, give uh, information about their uh, filmmaking experiences uh, tied to particular films. Quite extraordinary anyway. So a fantastic program. For tickets and the full program or day passes, you should check out online. So now let's get to the meat and potatoes of today's program. My chat is with the delightful Catherine DeWire. She's a writer-director of the archival documentary Brazen Hussies. Thanks for coming in and talking to me, Catherine. Catherine Dwyer, you are the director of um, Brazen Hussies, and one of the reasons why we're we're speaking to you is because Brazen Hussies tells the story of um, women's liberation in uh, you know nineteen sixty five to nineteen seventy five that ten year period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, part of that is the fact that you were delving into 
um, the use of archival footage. So let's let's go. How did you decide to tell your story? Tell the story. Yeah. Well, it's um, it's not my story, but it, but I guess in a way it is my story. It's um, I guess what what made me want to tell the story was that it was being forgotten by people my age, um, and. I was quite horrified by that. I, I told a friend who was my age that I was a feminist and she thought that was a dirty word. <laughs> so I thought, right. Not knowing what she'd actually gained from exactly, the women's liberation yeah. movement. Yeah, she she said, well, I want to I have kids and stay at home with my kids and feminists are against that. And I thought, oh, my God, I can't believe that's what you think feminism means. Yeah. So um, that kind of spurred me in the direction of... of doubling down on my feminism and I ended up in New York working on a documentary about the American women's liberation movement. Um, as soon as I heard about that I just had to get on on board and made them hire me and so that's where I got that was my training ground and I learned so much about uh, women's liberation but also how to make an archival film. I kind of only know how to make one kind of documentary and that's with uh, sit-down interviews and archives and I just absorbed everything I was learning and I came home and I thought well you know, I have no idea what happened here in Australia. I don't know who who the main who players were. The were. And I'd, yeah, I'd never heard of um, I'd never heard of any of the women that I interviewed in the film, except for uh, Barbara Creed. Yeah, <laughs> and only I only knew of Barbara Creed because she was my lecturer at uni. So. That's right, because she's an academic and a, a filmmaker and a writer of books. Yeah, so I had never heard of Anne Summers. I'd never heard of Elizabeth Reed, Kate Jennings. And they're, I mean, all the women in the film are... She's Margot a filmmaker. Nash, yeah, all the filmmakers. There were a lot of filmmakers, which was fabulous for me because I got to uh, use their, their films. Yeah, yeah. So when you were working on that film, uh, what was your role? Oh, in, on, in America? Um, well, I just started as an intern. I'd just done an editing course and I was looking for an internship and I um, heard about... They were doing a fundraising campaign and I heard about it and I just... What said, did they get you to do? Uh, well, at first it was... Were you a dog's body? Yeah, yeah, I was willing to do anything. Um, but the filmmaker was, you know, she came from an activist background. She'd worked in documentary and television for a long time. And because she was older, she had um, a very ethical standard for for making documentaries. So she started paying me, like, within three months and, um, you know, took really good care of me. And a lot of people that go to New York can get really um, exploited, but... Uh, this was, I mean, she was, she's definitely my mentor and I learned so much from her. It was a real on-the-job training. Yeah, yeah. So when you came back to Australia, how did you, I mean, you've already got the spark to do something about this because it's a personal pursuit. That's the best way to start anything, isn't mm. it? Um, follow that uh, piece of wool and find out what pull jumper was made. Yeah, pull the thread. Um, so how did you go about, um, I mean, I was looking at this um, article about uh, your work and uh, it says, knowing your history and uh, who are the key players and landmark events, that yeah, sort of stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I guess I just, uh, I was in Perth, which is where I'm from, and it was Christmas time, downtime, and I just got on the in- internet and Googled, you know, um, feminist movement Perth and just saw, found what ha- what came up. And I found an academic who, who taught at UWA who just released this amazing book called um it's a it's a feminist wunderkammer and it's um each chapter is a different contributor talking about an object and what you know what that signified in the women's movement to them and that's why i first read suzanne bellamy's story about working on me jane which was the women's liberation um newspaper that 
that was produced in Sydney. And a really funny story about Vera Figna, which was an, uh, an alias that the, that the women's liberationists would use if they ever got arrested or if they had to publish something in, in someone's name because every, any pamphlet had to be published in someone's name. So they all used Vera Figna as the, as the name and she was a Russian revolutionary who tried to blow up the Tsar in Russia. And, um, of course, so, nobody else knew that. No, well, yeah, that, I mean, uh, what's funny is that they then discovered ASIO had kept a record and, and had written down Vera Figner, New South Wales personality, because they thought she was, she was a, a real person. person. <laughs> yeah. So education does count. Yeah. And um, <laughs> then, you know, finding, getting, getting into the ASIO files was a great research resource because they kept clippings of anything to do with women's liberation. So. Oh, fantastic. So, and those files are available on the National Archives website. They're, they're digitised and they're there. So they were, they were really yeah, it's fantastic. excellent resources. So when you started this project, you actually did all the research before you actually, uh, you did research before yeah. you created the object? Uh, yeah, um, well, I think... Or, or is it like those... TV shows, police procedurals, where they go, oh, this person did this. Oh, it's led me to this. Yeah, it's a little bit of both, actually. And I do, I do like, I love it because it is like being a detective. And I love detective shows. <laughs> so um, I think that's what I really loved about working on the, on She's Beautiful and She's Angry, was hunting down the archive and finding those gems. Um, so, so, I mean, in a way, because it's visual... If you were telling a story, you might have thought, "I need something for that spot," mm. and then you go che- uh, seeking it. Yeah, it go- it goes both ways because sometimes you can find something so amazing in the archives that you you didn't, didn't know, know anything about. about, and then you have to find out what what is the story behind that, and that then that becomes a an important story element. But in the but the, but Brazen Hussey's being my first film, it was a huge learning ground, like going from working for someone to being the director yourself and uh, my editor kept saying to me well but but what are we going to see and you know realizing that for every second of the story you're telling you've got to show something that's right and I had so many great stories but I didn't have enough visual archive to tell that story yeah you have so to that work was out. really frustrating. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's why um, there's a number of really fascinating documentaries that uh, it's the way they tell their stories, which is so fantastic, uh, because they're incidents that are um, real life and they live in people's memories, but there's no pictures. It's mm. like the story, you know, uh, what is it? The revolution won't be televised. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, but, yeah, yeah, totally. It is that. And that... <laughs> so how do you tell the story of a revolution if it wasn't televised? You know, it's not usually photographed. When those first meetings happen, when the first spark, the seed is planted, you know, that's not usually something that's, like, captured. Well, it's, it's interesting, but the 1970s or 60s, 70s is an interesting time because there was more uh, availability of uh, visual aids, you know, like uh, video was beginning, stuff like that. Um, in the past, domestically, people did um, Super 8, uh, stuff like that. Um, so, uh, and that's why you get these family, um, but then you also had photos. Yes, lots of photos. Um, oh, so, so, <laughs> so much I could say. I guess one of the really fabulous resources that I was able to use was the um, Tribune magazine, which was the Communist Party's Party, yeah, um, paper. paper. 
they donated all of their negatives to the State Library of New South Wales. And, oh, and, and the State Library of New South Wales has been scanning them and making them available online. And they are such a rich resource of Australian his- political history. Yeah. And because it's the Communist Party... It's and it's got action to on create, the street. Yeah, and, and it, but it's got a Creative Commons licence, so you don't have to pay to use it. It's available because it's, you know, owned by the people, so... Well, that's an interesting fact, isn't it? Because um, uh, making an archival film can become incredibly expensive. Yes, very expensive, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of your material, which will, which would inform your choices as well, mm. I mean, because I don't know where your, uh, did you get funding, where did you get your funding from? We got, um, well, I guess it was a five-year process from inception to to delivering the film. So I did have a lot of time to do research <laughs> waiting for funding, but we got some initial development funding um, at first uh, to do development research. I was to develop, you know, a pitch for the film. And then um, we also did our own grassroots fundraising campaign because I knew, I mean, I'd learnt from an activist and, and, I, and I knew that there would be a lot of grassroots support for the film. People would want their stories to be told. Exactly, yeah. So um, so we did that. That's a lot of work as well, though, doing I our know. own fundraising campaign. But I knew... I mean, if you can get other people who are skilled in that to be on your side, that's a great thing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when we're getting told no from the big funding bodies, you know, it's... I, I, think, I think that initially the funding bodies thought this would just be a boring... Um, talking head documentary with um, old women, you know, and that it wouldn't be interesting. I think that's... Oh, that's outrageous. Well, yeah, I mean... But it, even it, if it, it had might been... might not be the but reason. Even, <laughs> no, no, but even if it had been a boring film with talking heads with old women in it, it was still significant history. Do you know what I'm saying? Exactly, yeah. 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 And, and it is really interesting. It's not boring at all. Oh, I know. It's not boring at all yeah. because it's absolutely um, key to the unlocking of the um, white Australian uh, progression, really. Yeah. And so I knew that, um, you know, even if the gatekeepers didn't support it or needed some more convincing that there was... there, I, You know, I'd pr- proven from working on She's Beautiful and She's Angry that there was... An audience for this film, and we had uh, when it played in Melbourne at the Melbourne Film Festival, there were three sold-out sessions. Um, yeah, yeah, of She's yeah. beautiful and she's angry. So you know, I knew that there was a market for this story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, people have been waiting for these stories to be told. Yeah. I mean, there, recently there was a film called Franklin, which was about the Franklin uh, a blockade. People were waiting for that film to be made. Oh, that's know? fabulous. Well, my um, producer on Braids and Hussies is. The impact producer for Franklin, Andrea Foxworthy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hi, um, my name's Maya Newell and I made a film called Gaby Baby and recently a film called In My Blood It Runs. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio. You're with Annie on Showreel on 3CR, your community radio station, and we're chatting with writer-director Catherine DeWire, who will be giving a session on archival films in this year's Australian International Documentary Conference running from March the 5th to the 8th at ACME. So that's very interesting, isn't it, that um, there was uh, funding problems. Um, but, it, uh, yeah, I, I mean, mean, it came together. I had never directed a film before, so that oh, might that have been might part have been of it funny. as well. But, um, 
Yeah, it's it's a hard slog. Apparently, it takes an average of seven years to make an Australian feature film. So, in a way, yeah, yeah, that, that makes that. sense. Yeah, yeah, that, it, no, you're probably right. Yeah, you you are right, and and there is support for such a film. So, um, and the, when we finally got the ABC on board, that was what sealed the deal. And we couldn't have made it without the ABC archives because we got to just mine their archives for for um, content, and that was a great resource. Did they uh, help you with the um, cost? Can you bring your mic a bit closer? Oh yeah. Um, did they? Uh, did they uh, give you a discount? <laughs> yeah, um, so the ABC archives are, are very expensive if you have to pay for them. So their investment that's what was, I was yeah <laughs> was in um, was offsetting the cost of that. So that's their investment. Um, it ended, I think it was something like two hundred fifty thousand dollars worth of archive, mm. and when it's eighty eight dollars a second. That can add up really quickly. Oh, yeah, yeah. You have to be really careful. The other thing about it is, um, just as an aside, because the ABC is actually getting rid of its archivists, um, did you uh, find they were incredibly important in your pursuit? Oh, absolutely. I mean... (laughs) You need you need someone there that knows how to how to search the archives, knows the archives, knows where to look. Absolutely, I mean it's a it's a huge mistake to get rid of their archivists. We're losing a lot of knowledge. Yeah, yeah. I, I had to bring that up. I just think it's like um, you've got lunatics running mm. the the asylum. I mean. Yeah, I mean it reminds me of of uh, the ultimate sort of lesson of ASIO surveillance. I mean they were surveilling all any left wing organisation, and that's why they were surveilling the women's movement, but they weren't. there was no analysis being applied to it, so they were just accumulating all of this documentation but not doing anything with it. It's just, you know, it's kind of, it's like, it's it's great to have archives, but you need to have people that know them and, you know, know what it means and yeah, yeah. where but, to find it. Which which is, uh, uh, leads us to the uh, crafting of the film because one of the things about creating any film uh, is that it's uh, got a, a beginning and a middle and an end, right? Um, uh, I'm not going to go the ebb and flow of the making of it, which is one issue that's completely different. But how are you going to tell this story? Uh, like, did you decide it's going to be, I think it's an hour and... Uh, an hour and a half. Half, yeah. Um, I mean, how do you decide what goes in and what goes out? <laughs> <laughs> well, how did you work it? Oh, it was so hard. <laughs> it was the hardest <laughs> thing I've ever done. And I have to give um, so much credit to my editor, Rosie Jones, who is a amazing filmmaker herself, director and editor. And um, she was so rigorous with me. <laughs> Just, well, what, you know, what, are we, what are we saying and where is the story going and what is the thread? I mean, you've got to have a thread that pulls it all together. And ultimately it always came back to the main character of the film is the women's movement. So that's who, what we're following. And sort of structuring that around, well, how do social movements emerge and what what is their lifespan? That was what helped me structure it. So, you know, it emerges, it's new, it's radical, it's and then it spreads and then it sort of gets bureaucratised. Yeah, yeah, it's assumed. It ne- yeah, it's assumed and it, it never lasts uh, in the way that it does when it first bursts out, but but that well, impact uh, is huge yeah. and, and, you know, has a ripple ripple effect. When I was uh, doing um, media studies, I did a, an analysis of this uh, thing that happened at the ABC, which was the uh, w- uh, women's 
uh, I can't remember what it was called, but what they were doing was they had this idea that they'd have a women's unit and every person who worked at the ABC who was female, didn't matter what job they did, could come and do some produ- get production skills. Oh, that's and fabulous. Yeah, it's a great women's unit. It was a really big deal. Right? Anyway, I did this analysis of it. But when I was – and it was revolutionary um, and it probably built people's careers – but what I ca- came away with was, my analysis was, because I was uh, fearless in those days, I said basically what they did was, did it, allowed them to do it, and then they assumed it into the uh, normalcy of the ABC um, arrangements. So it had some effect, but um, it, be, it was normalised. Right, but the lecturer found that a bit irritating because I was supposed to say that it was fantastic, <laughs> um, but it's not unfantastic. But you get my gist, mm-hmm. and you probably found the same thing with um, mm. this in a way. Yeah, that's and that's what's um, really fascinated me, and I, I still wrestle with it um, of what happens to social movements once they get uh, absorbed by the you know the mainstream or the institutions that hold the power. Because it will get watered down, it will get de-radicalised. It's assumed. It's that's assumed. Why I say. Yeah. yeah, and um, it, it's and, like diluting it. Yeah, and so there was a huge. Maybe I didn't even go, explore it enough in the film, but the the huge uh, struggle between radicals versus reformers was so compelling to me. You know, do where you know where, which camp do you choose to be in? What's most effective? And there's what's going on right now. Yeah, and um, huge uh, argy-bargies about it. But uh, I think I ultimately decided you absolutely need both. You need radicals and reformers. The radicals push the agenda. They open the way for reformers to go in. And they say the things that everybody else um, uh, think but won't Won't say say because it's too impolite. Yeah, and if you demand – it's like the radicals demanded 24-hour childcare and people might say that's ridiculous. But if if that's not your starting point, then you don't get any childcare at all, so – it's very clever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, probably union organ- uh, negotiators. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, other, the other thing, of course, was uh, you uh, dabble into – you must have found uh, quite an interesting range of things because, you know, uh, a way of uh, de-activating um, the women's movement was things to say uh, or make it less uh, um, effective was to say that it's only about white women. Mm-hmm. Um, that was an element that you found in that. Yeah, and that it's only a middle-class movement as well. Um, and Devaluing the whole process, really. Yeah. and But it, having some truth. Exactly, yeah, yeah. definitely. <laughs> a lot of truth, but also that, yeah, you don't want to let that devalue the whole, the whole movement and you have to be aware. I mean, it's completely reasonable for Aboriginal women to not feel like they're in the same boat as white women at that time the um, Aboriginal rights movement was happening at the same time. And that is such an interesting, um, also interesting topic to explore, which needs much further um, exploration than what I covered in Brazen Hussies. Yeah, yeah. There's um, so much more, always so much more. very complicated, yeah. And yeah. a really great film that Rachel Perkins directed, uh, Black Panther Woman, really goes into that and it's, it's really fascinating and complicated. Yeah, and complicated. I mean, if you look at um, that book... Uh, uh, what's it called? Um, white fragility. There's a whole sequence in that. It's mainly American, but it's got this really interesting 
element around uh, investigation around uh, black men's uh, um, attack on what black women who were calling for liberation. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like that, it's uh, there's an archibaji going on there. It's politics, you know, the politics of that, and you know, you sort of think so. They they're fighting a fight that white women fight within their own mm. communities. Yeah, and and also the I mean because of the police violence against Aboriginal men or men of colour is is very real and deadly. You know that deadly. Yeah, that that it's you, you just can't deal with you know power in the same way as white women would. Hmm. But you right. know, the problems are there, but they they manifest differently. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you're going to be. Um, uh, talking about this, uh, about making a f- an archival film at the Australian International Documentary Conference, aren't you? That's right, yep. And on March 8th, International Women's Day, actually. Ah, perfect. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, uh, and pe- people should really be investigating getting a ticket to the... If you're a, an aspiring um, documentary filmmaker or a, a filmmaker... Going to, I can't recommend going to the Australian International Documentary Conference enough. It's just the most fabulous affair that happens every March in Melbourne. Um, they've been doing hybrid uh, um, pre- presentations. Uh, that's one of the things that came out of COVID, which they'll continue, I'm sure. There's, there'll probably be hybrid sessions. So if you're in other parts of the country, you'd still be able to partake. Um, it must be a great honour to be asked to come and talk about this great experience of yours. It is. Um, I've been working... You've made it, Matt. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, I feel that way. <laughs> yeah, it's lovely. That's one of the things about this conference. These people, everybody is really inspired by the work that they do and they're incredibly helpful to each other about how to get a result. It's really fascinating. Um, Not to mention um, the real work, hands-on work that people do to actually get a result rather than the flim-flam that people Mm. often talk, you know, after an event. Um, You you, uh, have found that you've got so many things to do. Um, You're now going to do uh, a a, a three-part um, series on Queer Australia? Um, yeah, well, actually, ever since Brazen Hussies, I've been working as an archive producer for other documentaries, and that's what I've been doing for the last six months is uh, working as an archive producer for a fabulous series that's going to be on the ABC starting February 28th called Queer Australia, and it's a, a queer history of Australia, something that stories that... Um, have never been, you know, part of mainstream history, but have always been there, you know, beneath the surface. So it's really fascinating, and it's created by um, a comedian, Zoe Coombs-Ma, who I really oh, great. Yeah. admire. And so, yeah, she's it's got a great. great oblique way of seeing the world too. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, I've been I'm um, working with some amazing archive yeah, for that wow. as well. Well, you've become you're a superwoman when it comes to archiving, mm. quite clearly. Thanks for coming and talking to us, Catherine. Thanks so much. That's it for Showreel this week. Look up the AIDC if you are an aspiring documentary filmmaker or already on the go. A great networking industry event. Up next is Published or Not. You will not be able to stay home, brother. 
not be able to plug in, turn on, and cop out. You will not be able to lose yourself on Skag and skip out for beer during commercials because the revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be brought to you by Xerox in four parts without commercial interruptions. The revolution will not show you pictures of Nixon blowing a bugle and leading a charge by John Mitchell, General Abrams, and Spiro Agnew to eat hog moths confiscated from a Harlem sanctuary. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be brought to you by the shape of a war theater and will not star Natalie Woods and Steve McQueen or Bullwinkle and Julia. The revolution will not give your mouth sex appeal. The revolution will not get rid of the nub. The revolution will not make you look five pounds thinner because the revolution will not be televised, brother. There will be no pictures of you and Willie Mae pushing that shopping cart down the block on the dead run or trying to slide that color TV into a stolen ambulance. NBC will not be able to predict the winner at 8.32 on the court from 29 districts. The revolution will not be televised. There will be no pictures of pigs shooting down brothers on the instant replay. There will be no pictures of pigs shooting down brothers on the instant replay. There will be no pictures of Whitney Young being run out of Harlem on the rail with a brand new process. There will be no slow motion or still life of Roy Wilkins strolling through what in a red, black, and green liberation jumpsuit that he has been saving for just the proper occasion. Acres, Beverly Hillbillies, and Hooterville Junction will no longer be so damn relevant, and women will not care if Dick finally got down with Jane on search for tomorrow, because black people will be in the street looking for a brighter day. The revolution will not be televised. There will be no highlights on the 11 o'clock news and no pictures of Harry R. Woman Liberationist and Jackie Onassis blowing her nose. The theme song will not be written by Jim Webb or Francis Scott Keyes, nor sung by Glenn Campbell. Tom Jones, Johnny Cash, Engelbert Humperdinck, or the rare earth, the revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be right back after a message about a white tornado, white lightning, or white people. You will not have to worry about a dove in your bedroom, the tiger in your tank, or the giant in your toilet bowl. The revolution will not go better with coke. The revolution will not fight germs that may cause bad breath. The revolution will put you in the driver's seat. The revolution will not be televised, will not be televised, will not be televised, will not be televised. The revolution will be no rerun, brothers. The revolution will be live. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.